0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. A little bit of a longer episode today. I want to go ahead and thank you for joining in and being with us, but it is the 100th episode of the Far Better Podcast on the Scattered Abroad Network. And so what I thought we would do is highlight just a couple of episodes from each season that I'd like you to think about going back and listening to. But the first, I have to say, I would like you to go back if you haven't done this yet, and listen to the entirety of season one on the Scout of the Broad Network of the Far Better Podcast. I have a autoimmune disease called Crohn's disease, and I've been in remission now going on three years. Thankfully, the medication that I'm on—you might have seen it advertised—is called SkyRizzy. and it is a wonderful, wonderful medication. And I was able to on the first season of the network talk about my journey. With Crohn's, my journey with Crohn's. And we're looking at all of the different things that kind of popped up for me. There's 21 episodes in that season, but let me highlight some of the titles to maybe entice you to go and and listen to that season. Number one is episode five Prednisone Overdose and Rage. Uh, If that doesn't entice you to go listen to it, just think about who I am and then you'll want to go and listen. Number nine was Insurance Stinks. Uh, episode number 12 was Antibodies Stink. Episode number 14, Placebos Stink. Episode number 18, Salads Rule. Those are some of the titles of season one that I really enjoyed having an opportunity to be able to discuss with the network and all of our listeners. And if you haven't heard that yet, I I promise you, promise you it will be good for you to be able to look at that. But my first season was called A Christian and Crones. The second season, we called that one The People, I think The People Cried Why? And we looked at suffering from the Bible's perspective. And some of the highlights that I really enjoy doing with that would be basically all the episodes from 14 to 21 because we had the other executive co-director, uh, Caleb Rutherford, and one of our good friends, Jonathan Burns. We recorded those together. They're a little shorter, but they were good episodes. And that was some of my favorites. And one of the things that we talked about is a series in and verse, verses. And chap, I'm doing it again. In episodes 19 through 21, we discussed a series called Why Not You? That's season two. Season three, some of the episodes that I really enjoyed getting to do, I had more guests on that season. Uh, Really, in seasons three and four, we had a lot more guests than we ever had on the show before, which was an enjoyable experience. And I hope you've enjoyed kind of getting back to our roots with just one person for now. And if you want me to have more guests on, feel free to send in some ideas to our network email that's posted in the show notes. But in season three, we covered a series called Far Better Buy, and we just looked at a bunch of different things, but let me highlight one of the things that we covered with each guest. Beginning in episode four, we had a guest by the name of Aaron Gallagher. You might know Aaron. He's a good young man who's a minister extraordinaire that is not a located preacher. Uh, he is a good, good minister that basically gets to work for the Gospel Broadcasting Network and is one of those individuals that is very studious and knows what he's talking about, and especially in the idea of evangelism. And so we had him on talking about a few different topics, but probably my favorite one that we did was episode four, which was our episode on reaching out to the lost. Then our 50th episode together, we had my good buddy Cantrell. You probably know him as Josh Cantrell of the Diligent Podcast, I just call him Cantrell, and we talked on that episode about striving together as Christians. Then when we look back at some of the other guests we had on episode 55, we had Robert Jeffries, the minister for the South Haven Church of Christ. He's been a guest on the podcast a couple of times, and he helped me talk about looking at the participants of the family, and we looked at the guidelines for those participants, the blessings, and even the attack. On those participants. Then in episode 60, Jameson Stewart hopped on to talk about how to give proper discipline, how to give proper discipline. And then we looked at episode number 20, really 19 through 21, my dad joined in, and we talked about allowing God to be present in the home, giving the word to our children, and even following the design of the home. Then last season, you might remember some of the individuals that we had on, like Scott Kane and Wayne Rogers, who joined us for the first six episodes. And last season was far better than focusing on, and we looked at a bunch of different things. We looked at one of the ones that I enjoyed the most, though, was probably looking at the idea of far better than focusing on myself, on the things that I'm involved in. We had Dan Cates, one of the instructors of the Memphis School of Preaching. He joined in for about four episodes, and we talked about far better than focusing on what others think, say, have, and do. Tucker Wallace joined to talk about social media, and Josh Walker and Cody McCoy jumped on to talk about far better than focusing on their job. They are two young men who left very good positions to come to Memphis School of Preaching, and now they're gospel preachers working out in the Lord's kingdom. And then we had Drew Suttles and Jameson Stewart talk about an episode of sports. That was a very fun episode that we were able to do together. And I was very honored to have my former co-workers, Ryan Manning and Daniel Manning, to talk about not focusing on the church's faults, the church's success, or even the church I don't attend. And I'm not going to tell you what my favorite episodes of
1: Season 5 have been because we're not done yet. But from the bottom of my heart, I'm thankful, very thankful, that you have taken time, that you have taken time to sit with us for these 100 episodes. And I hope and pray that we have
0: 100 plus more to go. Today we are talking about our next to last road sign. We have six episodes left, and we begin the wrong way sign today. Obviously, a wrong way sign means you're going in a direction towards an entrance or an exit ramp that you shouldn't be. It was introduced to prevent serious accidents caused by wrong way drivers, and they may be installed with a do not enter sign. If you see one or both of these signs, you're in trouble. Don't drive past one. You're going against traffic, and you're going to probably be in a head-on collision. Back up or turn around immediately. It is a regulatory sign. It tells drivers not to do something. They're posted on entrance or exit ramps to prevent wrong-way driving. You don't drive past the sign. You turn around immediately, and if that's not possible, you drive to the side of the road and you stop. Then when it's safe, turn around or back out and go back toward the way that you were
1: supposed to be heading in the first place. In regards to our study from Scripture, though,
0: in preaching school, one of the chapters that we heavily covered throughout the minor prophets
1: was, if you do not remember anything else about the Old Testament, remember Deuteronomy 28.
0: When we look at that chapter, it sets the tone that instructor was trying to tell us. For the majority of the Old Testament, if you were to be able to take Deuteronomy 28 out of the canon and out of the existence of
1: Scripture, we wouldn't have much of the Old Testament written like we do. We wouldn't have it. Today, we're going to talk about our first discussion about going the wrong way, what
0: that means, and Going the wrong way equals disobedience. God has never deemed anything more important than the salvation of his creation. Because of the fall of man, we needed redemption. According to the letter that Paul wrote to the Romans, the old law required perfection, Romans 7, 7. And it can't be that the law itself had an issue, but that it was that mankind was imperfect, Hebrews 8, 7 through 8. The issue was not a problem with the first century's understanding of the Old Testament. It was that man has often shown a propensity to make life more difficult. At the root of God's warning, mankind, we call that the Bible, is a desire not to go against his commandments and law, a command even to not do that. He warned those that were in the Israelite group, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully, all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. It's already been stated and detailed in the first 14 verses just how much God would bless his people if they would follow him. Deuteronomy 28, 1-14. through A God who refuses to punish those who disobey him cannot be called Jehovah. He just can't be. He's severe in punishment because justice demands it. But he blessed them by giving them a proper warning. And this warning of punishment was given. You're going to be cursed, he says. If you go the wrong way, you'll be cursed. The idea of being cursed is not a pleasant one to consider. No one wants to find their life to be full of trouble. In fact, many of us could quote Job 14.1, Man that is born of woman is yet few days and
1: full of trouble. That lifestyle is not one that anybody would want to live. But I want you to notice how God
0: classifies the parameters of their curses. First, he says they'll be cursed in the city and also in the country, verse 16. Second, he points to their basket and kneading bowls being cursed, verse 17. Third, the fruit of their body, the produce of their land, the increase of cattle and offspring of their flocks will be cursed, verse 18 fourth, they will be cursed when they come in and when they go out, verse 19. Doesn't this sound like the opposite reaction to what God had instructed parents to do concerning his law just 22 chapters earlier in Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 10, where every part of the day was expected for a man to teach his family about God and his way, and yet now we're told that every part of man's life would be cursed because of their lack of obedience to God and his path. When God is missing from my life, I will only find captivity instead of freedom. Coincidentally, this section in Deuteronomy 28:16 through 19
1: is the exact opposite of verses 3 through 6 of the same chapter. Their lives will be miserable. No one wants misery to be their story, their lot in life.
0: As humans age, they become more and more miserable. As things begin to, so to speak, break down and no longer function as it once did. The misery that Deuteronomy is describing is not one of old agedness, but one of foolishness. It's depicted as one that is misery without sight, success, or salvation. Deuteronomy 28:29: 31, 33 through 34, 38 through 40, 42 through44 and 65 through 68. It is misery amongst companionship and children where a wife is taken and children are illegitimate. Deuteronomy 28:30, 30, 32 and 41. Nobody can state that God did not give a proper warning of the curses and misery that would come upon those that refused to follow his law and obey it. Deuteronomy 28:45 through 46. Today, man wants to push and be an advocate for salvation among some of the worst of the worst,
1: all based on a lack of knowledge of what God wants for them. Could such a claim be made by the Israelite people? Think of the misery that they experienced. I don't know what the worst thing that you've ever faced in your life has been. But I know that if we had lived in this time, unfortunately this chapter would become a reality because going the wrong way means that you're disobeying. You know I have some small children in the house now. And at the time that I'm recording this, I have a five-year-old and almost one-year-old. At the time that this airs, she will have been one for a month. You know, both of them have a hard time listening. One of them is
0: completely understandable why, because she's not quite of the age to understand what the word no truly means other than she can't have it. And my son has some moments where he doesn't fully grasp either what's going on and why he can't do something. Sometimes, despite saying no or telling him not to do something,
1: both of them will look you in the eye and do it anyway. That's disobedience.
0: Now, it's up to the father and mother to be able to discern what is innocent disobedience where they just don't know any better and what is defiant disobedience, trying to get away with doing what they had been told not to do. Innocent disobedience applies to small children who genuinely don't know better. They don't know why the stove is hot and they can't touch it. Defiant disobedience is when you've explained to them and they
1: understand the stove is hot, and they go to touch it anyway. Disobedience. The Israelites were told what not to do. And they they were told, I should say, that they would be punished severely if they did what they were not supposed to do. They did it anyway. Look at that. We're going to get out on time today. Lord willing, next week we'll
0: pick up with this wrong way sign, looking at the problems that they would face.
1: We'll have five episodes left in season five. Thank you so much for being with me today. And until next time, let's please God now. So
0: our eternity can be far better.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.